Come in, damn it. You're sure a punctual bastard. Welcome to the podcast at Orgy Castle. Sit back, darling, and enjoy with your hosts, Derek and Paula. You ready to talk about some Diane Thorne? <laughs> Mistress Paula, uh, mm, mm, I, have mm, a, mm, I have a confession to make. Okay. This episode of Podcast at Orgy Castle comes with a huge confessional <gasps> by, by yours truly. Do I need to get my pad and my glasses? You might want to get some tissue. Ah. You might need to dampen down certain areas of the body. What tissue for what exactly? Okay, you, you <laughs> leave that to your own twisted little little brain and thought. Me? But. Twisted? Mm. So um, this episode came about mostly because about a month ago, I had gotten a new VCR from my bud, Eric, and I decided to go into my collection and just start rewatching a bunch of VHS that I've had sitting around for a while now because my old VCR, when I got divorced, stayed at my yeah. house. So I had no way to watch these things. And what was the first movie I grabbed on VHS in order to watch? Hmm. Gosh. The one you used to beat off to when you were in junior high? Ding, ding, ding. It was Delta. <laughs> she Wolf of the SS. Which, Yay! I win! Which is going to say a lot about me here. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say this was my beat-off tape. Yeah, but, but uh, this is a confusing movie. A very confusing movie. And when I was younger... I had worked at numerous video stores, and this is this is confessional time here on podcast at Orgy Castle. I'll I'll try and condense this down and make this succinct and not drag this on because we like to have this podcast be only thirty minutes long. But anyways, I worked at numerous video stores. Shock to everybody, I'm sure. And when I left one of them, which wasn't under good circumstances. I took my, my prize tape from their <laughs> collection of the Wolf of the SS. Oh my God. And this is the movie that I credit towards. I, I mean, everybody has their thing. Everyone has a thing that turns them on. And as a youngish boy, my thing was Diane Thorne's breasts. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were, were quite frankly the epitome of perfection. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. And this movie has no dearth of beautiful boobs. I mean, it's not lacking. And but hers are like, you know, it's like you've got this beautiful boob cake that goes in layers and hers are on the top. Hers are on the top. <laughs> top. We had talked her while we were watching the episode or watching the movie this episode that. Diane Thorne, for me, is probably top 10 most beautiful women uh, of all time. Stunning. She's a stunner. I love her. I told you about that movie, Point of Terror. Yes. And in the opening scene in that, she's just got this bikini on. She's on the beach. And she's perfect. She's fucking she's perfect. Stunning. And she's so good at being evil. 
so good at being evil. She is a great actress. She really is. A lot of people probably would watch something like Ilsa's She Wolf of the SS and go, man, this is a piece of shit. In fact, one of our patrons, <laughs> Mary, jumped in at the last minute and said, man, yeah. that was a real piece of shit. Yeah, but you missed. Well, the, I think the only bad actor, really bad actor in it was the wolf guy, the guy yeah. who can't come or yeah. won't come. Mr. Unicorn Dick. Right. Which he we'll was, get to later in the episode. He was the only one that really wasn't that good of an actor. Everybody else. And it was actually pretty good. Yeah. This movie is very conflicting. For yes, many it is. Oh, uh, my. We uh, haven't really discussed yet. I, I, because it was confessional time. I had to talk. I, I'm giving away way too much on the podcast here about my own sexual proclivities. <laughs> I love women, beautiful women with huge breasts. Yes, Sue. Yeah, that's I do. that's that's so weird, Derek. I, it's strange. It's very out there. I've never run into another guy that loves beautiful women with beautiful big breasts. Never <laughs> in my life. Never when I worked at a video store where we had adult videos and guys came in and got big and bouncy, you know, beautiful, big boobs. I've never, you're, you're, you're an anomaly, Derek. You yes, pervert. I know. A very you small pervert. percentage of the male population feels the way that I do, yeah. which is why Russ Meyer's filmography is so obscure. Exactly. Exactly. But, but anyways, um, this film, as much as I gravitated towards Diane Thorne and how absolutely turned on she made me, mm -hmm. this is one of the most disturbing films you're likely to ever see. Oh, yeah. The torture scenes in this. Fuck. This is a movie about this is what is basically considered the quintessential Nazi exploitation film. Mm -hmm. um, the Nazi exploitation genre, which if you're not familiar with what that is, it's a series of films that are concentrated on Nazi concentration camps and the tortures, sexual and violent that, occur that occurred there during the Holocaust. Right. And uh, this, well, you would think that these films would be used as educational devices. <laughs> <laughs> to make that never happen again, Italian exploitation <laughs> filmmakers decided, you know what? We're going to use these to make a few dollars. Yeah, yeah. Because we know dudes will beat off to these movies. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate sadistic woman. And the power dynamics. And I mean... This, this was made in what, 60? So, this was made in 76. Okay. Oh, 75, I'm sorry, 1975. Okay, yeah, I mean, in their, in their defense, the Nazis were really bad guys. Really, really <laughs> bad guys. And Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS centers around one woman, Ilsa, who runs a concentration camp where Camp she, 9. Camp 9, where she conducts the most heinous experiments on men and women yeah saying that they're for helping the men at the front and for the fatherland you know but um even the nazis aren't too big on what she's doing part of the plot of the movie is the nazi you know dude coming in and and telling her that she shouldn't she shouldn't be doing these things that she shouldn't be wasting Germany's time and money when she's telling everybody what she's doing with all the typhus and the syphilis and and all the torture and everything and the pain you know yeah. All that that it's helping, it's helping uh, you know further the the boys on the lines and all that kind of stuff. When it's just her sick, twisted shit. Yep, the whole movie centers around her basically getting her jollies off by treating everyone 
like they're just ragdoll toys to be yeah. dissected and infected with various diseases. Now she has this huge side business <laughs> in, in the camp where she bring the movie starts off with perhaps the scene that hook line and sinkered me when I was a youngster watching this movie. Oh yeah. With her beautifully naked in her dormitory room fucking a random prisoner yeah and the poor gentleman comes too quickly for her so what happens paula she goes and takes a really beautiful shower then <laughs> that's not what i was i mean i focused on that scene very very I, very much i really like that scene she's just oh she's fucking beautiful um that means that if he comes too soon he's gonna get his dick cut off so she has these two amazingly beautiful henchmen. Basically, basically mini Diane Thorns, beautiful, beautiful blonde Nazi women with beautiful boobs. Huge boobs. Beautiful, huge boobs. Glistening boobs. Mm, covered in blood. Well, they aren't covered in blood until they have the, they have the, they have the bloody until. they have the bloody smocks on at the, okay. in, that, in that scene. Right. So they they take him to their I guess lab and essentially castrate him. So any she takes a guy every single night to her dormitory room, sexes him, and if he can't satisfy her, essentially castrates him. Yeah. Until an American shows up in the yes. Wolf. And this this American doesn't. Tr well, he sort of tricks her, but he satisfies her to the point where she is completely twisted around his little finger because he found out when he was younger that he can basically hold off ejaculation as long as he wants. And we learned this in a conversation with one of the guys from the camp. It's actually oddly well-written and paced and plotted. It's strange for such a violent, sex-filled movie. It actually has, like, structure <laughs> and some decent character to have. Well, you Is feel because it, 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 it uh, uh, push aside the exploitation factor of all the sex and grotesque gore and violence and torture that's happening. It's essentially a prison break movie. Yeah, it's it's a prison camp prison break movie mm -hmm. where a bunch of characters are there trying to plot their way out of this horrible situation. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it is. It's Hogan's heroes. But, you know, funny enough. This was filmed on the Hogan Hero <laughs> set. Not a lie. Shut up. <laughs> That's awesome. Not a lie. <laughs> that pleases me no end. <laughs> right before, well, the thing is they wanted, I guess I read this somewhere where they we're planning on demolishing. Yep, this was this film. I'm looking at wikipedia.com right now in the location tab. It says this film was made on the Culver City set of the TV series Hogan's Heroes. The oh series God. had already been canceled and the show's producers let the, them film this movie. And they had planned for 
demolishing it anyway. And at the end of the film, essentially, there's, I mean, the prison break and people show up and they burn the whole place down. And they were like, okay, yeah, go for it. That's fine. Oh, yeah, because they blew up the guard towers and they blew up the water tower. Uh, That's funny. So they helped them demolish the thing at the end and they got some nice realism out of it. Yeah. yeah. Those are some good shots. When the water tower blows and they slow-mo the water, it's like, ooh, cleansing watershed moment. (laughs) Artsy. Artsy, but the vast majority of this movie for most people uh, would be so thoroughly triggering that it was not a huge shock that this movie did not go over well with the vast majority of people. It's very offensive. What When you first saw this, Paula, what were your thoughts about this movie? I, the blood. It was so violent. The torture scenes were just excruciating. Um, I guess that, I mean, they get like much like in, um, images in a convent, they didn't pull back. They looked in deeper. I mean, you know, it wasn't like, we've seen a lot of movies where they're pulling punches. They don't pull any punches in this movie. It's like, there's some things that they don't show you. Like they show her about to castrate him and then she steps in front of him and there's a couple other scenes, but for most of the scenes, and that was probably just like an effects or a, or like a budget constraint. Probably sure. if they could have shown it, they might have. But I mean, they show the toes breaking, and I mean, there's so much very creative sadism in this. Um, but I just remember, I remember how how just gruesome that it was, how ghoulish that that these torture scenes were. But also like being in awe of Diane Thorne. Absolutely, because this was my first exposure to Diane Thorne. Yeah. And I worked in a videos, I worked in a couple of video stores too. And at Kaleidoscope, the one where we had porn, softcore porn, because it was Oklahoma, no penetration, no cum shots, right? right? These movies like this rented constantly. They were constantly rented out, and people would call and reserve them. So, and this is 15 years after, but that's a lot of the population that we had. You know, we had all the Doctor Who's and we had all the Star Treks and we had all the Dark Shadows and we had softcore pornography and we had all the Russ Meyers. Like my former boss was a huge fan of Russ Meyer. This is a place where porn was always going on in the background, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, I just we had these and people rented them like mad. And so that was when I first saw this movie. And like, seriously, it was just the the brutality of it. And watching it now, it's a bit different because I'm like looking at the sex scenes more, and the sex scenes are fucking hot extremely hot and then and then you go to like two corpses covered in blood hanging upside down from their feet it's like okay i'm aroused and where am i supposed to put this (laughs) that's the whole thing about this movie it's so conflicting because it when you sit and think contextually about what this movie's putting out there it's a very troubling film it is. It is a very troubling film. I mean, that's that uh, that degree of arousal with the sex scenes contrasted with that degree of of torture and violence. And I'm not like one of these chair poor people. I don't watch that shit. I don't watch Hostile. I don't watch Saw. I don't watch any of that stuff. That's just not my bag. I don't like it. Oddly enough, I like stuff like this. But it seems also very different to me. But at the same time, yeah, this is this is a this is a brutal movie, but also a very sexy movie. So it's fucked up. It's so fucked up. Uh, the movie starts with a, a, a splash screen, which is a warning for the film you're about to watch. It's attributed to a man <laughs> that is supposedly named Herman Traeger, which is the producer of the film. The true producer of the film was infamous Mr. David Freeman. 
Who's he? Tell, tell me. David Freeman was a producer that did hooked up with Herschel Gordon Lewis to do oh, okay. the vast majority of his films. Mm. Exploitation fans. Something weird. He's done yep. something weird. Okay, yeah. Tons of stuff. But the film opens like this. This is some of I won't read the whole thing, but this is kind of the warning they wanted to they wanted to set a tone right off the bat because I have a feeling anybody that would have just walked into this film without this splash before it would have been like what the fuck are you making? Well, it was literally just 30 years after World War II. The Holocaust. Yeah, I mean this was this was one of those maybe too soon things, but I mean it's inappropriate exploitation film and it's what are you going to do? Without some sort of context, one yeah. could take this as a glorification of the acts that had happened. Yeah. Cuz it lingers. And you literally live with the Nazis more than you do with the prisoners and yeah. the victims. Yep. You know more of their pathos and you follow more in their sadistic delight than you do with the victim, yeah. which is very troubling. And I think that's where a lot of people that ultimately watch this and like critics giving this reviews – I mean, understandably, were repulsed and disturbed by this That's, and wondered what the point of this was. To be repulsed and disturbed. Exactly. But the, so the opening uh, title splash essentially goes like this. The film you were about to see is based on documented fact. The atrocities shown were conducted as medical experiments in special concentration camps throughout Hitler's Third Reich. Although these crimes against humanity are historically accurate, <laughs> the characters depicted are composites of notorious Nazi personalities, and the events portrayed have been condensed into one locality for dramatic purposes. Because of its shocking subject matter, this film is restricted to adult audiences only. We dedicate this film with the hopes that these heinous crimes will never happen again. So it was done for it was done for the, the good of humanity. They made this to heal. They made this. <laughs> this. This movie about this amazingly beautiful blonde goddess mm. who tortures, sadistically tortures women and men. Yeah. And then is turned on her heel by an American who can't come. He can, but he can control it. He's got he, the unicorn dick. Yes, he, he controls his ejaculation rate. They made this in hopes that these heinous crimes would not happen. Yeah, it, it wasn't just people who like have a fetish for severely sadistic women, torturing other women, torturing men, getting turned, the mistress turning into the slave of what? The machine dick. No, it was it was to heal humanity after World War II and to exhibit the atrocities in hopes that, you know, hashtag never again. Right. Yeah, this was this was reparation to the Jews for the Holocaust, wasn't it? Well yeah, I'm sure there are so many Jewish people out there right now that are so thankful that this movie was produced. Oh, I'm sure. And put out there for the masses. Um, oh, indeed. Indeed. I'm sure that they're they celebrate the day that it was released every year. I'm sure it's a <laughs> I'm sure it's a, a holy day. Um, there's a reason why we decided to break this movie into its own episode. Um, we could have easily, cause there was a bunch of these Ilsa movies that were produced and Paul yeah. and I originally were thinking about just doing the main three of them, which is 
she, uh, she wolf of the SS, harem keeper of the oil yeah. sheets, and tigress of Siberia. We were originally going to do them all together in one episode, the way we did the flower and snake ones. But upon watching these, they each deserve their own space because they're each extremely different films. There's a the same yeah. in a lot of ways, but they're different in tone. This movie. No, oh, this is the darkest is oppressively dark yeah. mostly because contextually it is just so repugnant well the nazi thing and the and the up close not shying away from the torture thing and yeah it's it's um boy yeah i would this is this is the roughest one what do you think of all the the female torture that's going on in this film do you think it's gratuitous well honey it's exploitation it's all yeah gratuitous. of course yeah I mean, it, it goes with the story, but what it is is, I mean, that's what it's a story about. It's, I mean, we were watching it and they were going up the stairs from the thing. And I looked at the portrait in the back. I was like, is that fucking Mangala? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, so she's the female Mangala. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember reading and seeing things about Mangala when I was younger. I used to read a lot about it. It's funny. I have a lot of students who are captivated by the Holocaust too. I can't do it anymore. But I remember reading about Mangala and the things that he did to people. And and these were, I mean, along those lines, they're not for science and for the healing of humanity, their use. But I would definitely say they did their research into some of Mengele's methods and things that they did. Yeah. And I mean, that's what it was. It was just it was just a, a like L.A. Zombie was a vehicle for hardcore porn. This was a vehicle for torture and sadism and for Diane Thorne's beautiful beautiful breasts and several other pairs of beautiful, beautiful breasts. There are so many beautiful boobs and bodies in this movie. And half yeah. the time they're cut up and burned. And, but they always like that girl. Oh God. She was in the, they had her tied up. I, I, I don't know, but it was really blood coming out of her mouth. And that was but, the pressure tank where the they were okay. cranking the pressure while she was naked, tied up. And yeah. eventually her innards started crushing and she started hemorrhaging out of her mouth. But the blood was coming down onto her absolutely perfect boobs. It's just such a weird fucking movie because they did pick such beautiful women. So yeah, it's, it's gratuitous. It's a show off for many, 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 many beautiful women. I mean, I would say this is about the ultimate in exploitation. This is exploitive as fuck. Yeah, this inspired so many other films. I mean, as we said before, there was The Night Porter and there was mm -hmm. Love Camp 7 that came before this. I mean, Love Camp 7 can be pointed at as the first Nazi exploitation film in Night 1968. Porter's not, Night Porter's not really Nazi exploitation, though. I mean, it still is. There are parts that are erotic of that film. And I mean, it's still you can see a line from that to this stuff. Mm hmm. If you really want to, you know, draw that line. Yeah. And After it was, this point, though, this opened the floodgates like you wouldn't believe. I I have a regrettable Nazi exploitation collection myself. Don't ever call that regrettable. <laughs> I, I mean, these are films that, I mean, they're very troublesome. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the point is the duality of our nature as human beings is, you know, on one hand, they they serve as, you know, fantasies, sadistic fantasies of what what if you could do whatever you wanted to do to whoever you wanted to do and live those out. But in historical context, some of this shit actually fucking happened. Yeah. So it is 
a sort of document as to, you know, the horrors of unmitigated and uncontrolled power. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It absolutely is. I mean, she's that's that's what she is. She's running her own camp. She can do whatever the hell she wants. And she does. That's that's uh, the, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a weird film. It really, really is just um, the, the power dynamics. I don't know. It's it's horrifying. But you know how we get yeah. titillated by horror and it excites us and it's weird and it's scary. And then it's over and we get that nice catharsis. And because there's a catharsis at the end of this. Of film. course, there is, the, whole, yeah. the whole jailbreak thing. So you're just getting repulsed and just terrified and horrified by these things are going on and titillated by the sex. And then it's all over and it's a huge catharsis. So, I mean, I, like I said, it's conflicting. It's weird. It's gripping. It's disturbing. It's got really pretty boobs in it. Oh, so many pretty boobs. In so many pretty bushes and pretty women. There's, if you think you can handle this and there's, you have to say this, you have, if you're going to recommend a film like Ilsa, she wolf of the SS, you have to know the audience that you're recommending this to. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I love that Jason and Mary Beth came in the last 20 minutes and they're like, what's going on? It's like, Oh man, <laughs> you came in at a part where, where Elsa is pissing on another SS uh, commander's face. They did. That's when Mary Beth came in. Oh my God. <laughs> Ilsa and Ilsa doing the golden shower. Oh, and she wasn't enjoying it. She wasn't. She was making a face. I guess she doesn't like grizzled old, disgusting, drunk Nazis with gray teeth. I guess she was doing it for the Fazerland. For the Fazerland. For the Fazerland. Achtun, achtun. <laughs> I'm pissing for the Fazerland. Yeah. Wunderbar. <laughs> Took one for the old team. Oh man! So, I I will recommend this to the most grizzled, hardened exploitation fan mm-hmm. of the three Ilsa films. Which eventually we'll get to the other two on the podcast because I think they these movies need to be seen by exploitation fans, especially smut fans. Well, Harem Keepers like fluff compared to this. Absolutely, and that's kind of where I was going with this. Yeah. Is that oh, this is this is for the horror fans. Yeah, this is definitely for the horror fans, especially if you are a chair horror fan, a torture horror fan, some of like God audition shit like that. Yeah, I mean that if you're into the itchy the killer stuff like that, then this would probably be more along your line. Definitely itchy. Yeah. So if you like that kind of stuff, then you know you'll dig on this. But it's not something I would definitely recommend to everybody. But like I said, it was always always rented out. So there were some sick fucks back in Oklahoma city in the late eighties and early nineties digging on this. Oh, there are so many people digging on this. You can go to any exploitation convention, cinema wasteland. Every time you go there, you will see Ilsa. She wolf of the SS shirts, hoodies, posters. This is an absolute trash classic. Oh, I need to cosplay that sometime. Yeah. (laughs) You, This is the thing. Nowadays, I mean, I think back in the day, you could get away with this kind of imagery. Now, in this climate, do you really think you could cosplay Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS and not get major kickback? No, but I could do Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks. Oh, man, would I pay money to see that. But that's a conversation (laughs) for another. (laughs) This is... Without, you know, going back over my words, this is a very troublesome film that most people just are not going to get. Mm. Um, You will have a boner. 
and you will be disgusted the entire time. So, Paula, <laughs> how many Jackalmans are you going to give this? Oh, this is, this is a full five Jackalman movie for me. I love this movie. I absolutely adore this movie. It's um, it's brutal. It's rough, but it's it's sexy as fuck. And I just really think it's probably uh, to me, it's one of the ultimate in exploitation. It mm. really, really is. It pulls no punches and nothing really seems to be off limits. And it's it's boobies and it's blood and it's torture. And there's just it's it's crazy. It's, and then they got the jailbreak movie and it's on the Hogan Heroes set. <laughs> ah, that gets like two Jackalmans on its own. <laughs> But um, no, this is a full five Jacqueline movie. I really enjoy this movie. It's well-structured, good plot. All the acting besides the wolf guy is really pretty good. And um, you feel for the people. You're rooting for the people in the camp. I, I, don't, I don't know. I thought it's a full five Jacqueline movie for me. I fucking love this movie. Yeah, there's no doubt this is a full five Jacqueline movie for me. <laughs> I've seen this movie more times than I care to admit. <laughs> Including recently on VHS. I've watched it two times in the last month, just mostly because of what I said. um, It is truly, like you said, without just restating everything, it's a classic. It's an exploitation classic for Mm -hmm. a reason. It became the template for so many movies afterward. And its power still is not diminished to this day. Mm -hmm. It is a tough film to watch. It is an extremely sexy film at times. You will walk away feeling something after watching this. Yeah, movie. which is which to me is a sign of good art. Like I don't watch exploitation films because they're they're nice. I like the tra- I like transgressive cinema. I like things that walk away with you know making me feel something, and that 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 push boundaries and stuff. They're, I don't like everything, but this one, this one I definitely do. Yeah. I think I think this one's a hoot. I think it's it's just it's brutal. It's rough. It's sexy. It's strange. It's dark. And it just I, I love I love the, the the lack of punches pulled. And it's also really beautifully made. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, there's some of it that looks pretty stock and most of it. You're coursing along on the pure shock value of this thing more than anything else. Yeah. But there are moments in this movie that are genuinely well shot. Yeah, there was some art. There was some artistry to it. I mean, I got this stack of something weird DVDs over here that I've been popping on and you watch one of those and you see Elsa, she will through the SS and it's like, well, fuck that looks pretty good. Yeah. This <laughs> is know? a goddamn real yeah, movie. It is. It is. Are we, or are we watching Casablanca here? What the hell is this? <laughs> um, but like I had one on earlier today, which is kind of seedy watching something weird videos at 10 o'clock in the morning, but I was up, you know, and um, <laughs> what we do just doing things and i thought i'll pop this on and it just got so literally dark like i couldn't see anything <laughs> like like it had that opening scene with the girl i sent you the still with the stocking yeah. and every, and then all of a sudden it's just too dark to see anything so when something's as poorly constructed as that compared to and it's exploitation it's exploitation compared with you can see the effort and the care and the slightly higher budget that went into ilsa it's a it's a reasonably well-made film yeah Absolutely. I think it's time for Book Club at Orgy Castle with Angelique Bone. Let's I, do it. I, I believe a little uh, Abraham Lincoln, Sex Ninja. That was last week. I'm curious to see what it is this week. Yeah, we'll find out right now. Mm. Hi, and welcome back to Book Club at Orgy Castle. I'm your host, Angelique. And we have reached the 
conclusion of the Abe Lincoln saga. Um, tonight we'll be discussing the third part of the trilogy, Abraham Lincoln, fuck Lord of the Moon. And <laughs> um, where to start, I guess, at the beginning. So when we last left our intrepid president, it was 1863, and the uh, ninja had allowed him to come back to America um, to, you know, be there for the Civil War. Well, now we're going to fast forward to 1865. Um, the war is over. Confederacy has surrendered. And Abraham Lincoln has spent the entire war in a secret dungeon dojo basement thing uh that he had specially built in the white house which you know probably is a real thing <laughs> but you know whatever anyway um so lincoln's been training and honing his ninja skill and the war is over and he knows he needs to get going because you know time is of the essence because emperor Komei is going to destroy the moon or whatever so um Time comes to go, and the president realizes, well, I really just can't go. So he, along with his very close friend, who has also been trained as a ninja by uh, Takayoshi, if you remember the uh, delegate ninja that came to fetch President Lincoln, um, his very close friend and confidant and spy, John Wilkes Booth. So they fake the assassination, and not only did they fake Lincoln's death, they also fake John Wilkes Booth's death so he can go on to, um, you know, live however he wants in his secret ninja actor ways, whatever. So they fake the assassination. Lincoln gets to Japan, um, goes to the ninja school. They're like, yay, you're back. Um, he has a tryst with one of the five female ninja, uh, the Hibakari sisters. Um, then they are all shuttled to the moon via some magic dream pool thing. Who knows? Advanced moon technology. They get to the moon and it's like a golden palace full of, you know, gaudy excess and everything. Then they stumble upon Emperor Komei. The doomsday device is Emperor Komei's penis. Much like Abraham Lincoln, Emperor Komei also has super sex ninja powers. And they have a long, drawn-out, glowing penis lightsaber battle. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's glows blue, Emperor Komei's glows red, and when they... There are sparks. <laughs> and it looks like Emperor Komei's going to win... But Abraham Lincoln pulls from his Illinois roots and just tackles the man and has his American way with him. And makes Emperor Komei say out loud several times that, uh, um, yes, Abe Lincoln, you are the, the sex lord. You are the lord of the moon. Um, you are my master whatever. So Lincoln finishes and sends Komei back to Japan and Lincoln decides, well, I'm already dead. 
So I'll just stay here and rule the moon with my five fantastic, sexy, hibakari, sister, ninja chicks. Um, and the, the end, well, the entire series is written kind of like a journal. Um, and the end states that um, they are not aging. So for all we know, if somehow Catherine DeVore has stumbled upon the real history, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln is still up there on the moon with his ninja and a bunch of other colonists that they, they have brought up there, um, still being the rightful uh, fuck lord of the moon. The series was a lot of fun, and I really hope that you read it and check it out. We'll be continuing on going a little farther back in time the next time I see you. I hope you enjoyed this, and until next time, bye! So, Paula, we're going to yes. take a week off of the podcast here because you're taking a little trip. So I am. When we come back from our hiatus, mm. we will be watching the first of three flesh films the flesh trilogy we're going to be watching ah, a bunch of her flesh yes yay i'm excited i've been reading the backs of the boxes and i have set that in the what is it the smell of honey a swallow of brine i have set those off to the side those are verboten you like my german there do you like that yes. that was that was for the fatherland um so i'm not wonderbar. watching wonderbar because i cannot wait to see paula i may be a bitch but i will never be a butch because you know but um yeah so i'm excited about that and i'm, I'm looking i'm definitely looking forward to uh to checking those out they look that, down they look dirty oh they are that that line of dialogue it, anybody that has watched something weird video over the years knows the infamous something weird video intro oh yeah and knows it by heart oh, because yeah. they've seen it a million and a half times <laughs> that's a great and intro. That line that's another one of those young Derek Boner feels is that that line. <laughs> the moment I heard that, I'm like, I need to see that. Fucking <laughs> well, the first the first time I actually remember hearing that, I sent you the link to that song that my my friend um, Carl, the French dude who has his band Super Preachers. Yeah. And he's got that song Love Criminal. He samples all that kind of stuff. And so that's what starts that. And that's the first time I heard it. And then because I, I hadn't seen the movie. And then I had the preview on and I was like, whoa, 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 what the fuck, what, what? And so I found out where the origins of that was, but I just always love that line because, you know, Paula. Oh, it's like <laughs> that moment when you've been listening to White Zombie for so many years and you, <laughs> and you realize that Faster Pussycat Kill Kill is an actual film that you have to seek out yeah. and watch. Yeah, you find out all the, uh, all the yeah, which, which one is it? I never try anything, I just do it. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. try me. So yeah. try me. Um, <laughs> you want to try me? I love, I love Tara. Fuck. At some point, we'll do Russ Meyer on this. Oh, yes, please. Well, yes. yeah. Oh, the one that I wanted to do. What was that fucking vixen? Yes. Oh, that. She, and of course, I was thinking about it afterwards. She's a Saudi and superwoman. And a lot of his are. I also love um, super vixens. Yeah. But yeah, I watched Vixen and that is a fucked up movie. It is a super fucked up movie. Most of his movies are fucked up, and to, re and to pull back the veil even more on the podcast, 
all the music that you hear on podcasts at Orgy Castles from Russ Meyer. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we have because, fans here on the podcast of Orgy, at Orgy Castle. Oh, so. I love. I'm such a Tura Satana fan. Faster yeah. Pussycat. Oh, that's one of the best B movies of all time, if not the. Of course. So, final parting words here, Paula. Oh, shoot. I know I always put you on the spot. I, <laughs> you always have to close out the episode. I, I know you do. I just want to let it be known that once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, in my fantasies, I got to do Diane Thorne for the fatherland. Satan is the name she goes by. There's a lot of devil in her. Can't tell.